So never afraid to go uber niche on the Medics Money podcast. Today, we are talking about capital gains tax. Welcome to the Medics Money podcast. My name is Dr. Tommy Perkins, and I'm a GP. And my name is Dr. Ed Cantelo, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and a chartered tax advisor. And yes, you did hear that right. Not only is Ed a doctor, he's also a chartered accountant and a tax advisor. Medics Money empowers doctors and other professionals like you to make better financial decisions. As ever, this podcast is for entertainment only and does not represent any form of financial, legal or accounting advice and tax allowances and rates are subject to change. And I am delighted to welcome to the Medics Money podcast for her debut, Bridie Ayashetta. All right, Tommy. So, Bridie, why don't you tell the Medics Money podcast listeners a bit about yourself and why you're qualified to talk about today's pretty niche subject? For sure, for sure. So, I have been working in a private practice accountancy since I was 18, and I'm not going to give away my age, but that's a fair amount of time at this point. I've been working at Larkin Gowan specifically for the last five years after previously working exclusively for an expatriate tax firm. So I kind of came here with a bit of offshore knowledge and started in the medical team here at Larkin Gowan. So I have a bit of a, I found the most obscure parts of tax and really decided to embed myself in them because why the, why the heck not? So yeah, just I've been doing it for a super long time. And I think that that's where I'm giving myself pedigree for that. <laughs> Listen, uh, we just did a podcast with your colleague, Lizzie Lloyd, uh, also from Larkin Gowan. It's like the Larkin Gowan show on the mm-hmm. podcast today. And she told us that she'd been doing this for 27 years. Oh, I mean, Lizzie, heads and shoulders above. <laughs> it's insane. Like Lizzie, so super you, impressive. You started when you were 18. So you've been doing it like max two years. Like, you know, oh, that's it. 20, you're 20, right? And I'm 21. And definitely not approaching 40. Okay. And that's what we're sticking to. Definitely. Yeah. And (laughs) the great thing is there's no video here. So, you know, I, you look 20, I think you'll agree. I look 21, maybe 22 max. Yep. Yep. I think, you know, fair visual representation. Great. We're off to to a good start. So we're going to be talking about capital gains tax today. And we're going in pretty niche because there's been some recent changes which you wanted mm-hmm. to tell us about. But should we start with the the basics with like what is capital gains tax and who pays it and stuff like that? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So the capital gains tax in a nutshell is just tax you pay on profits when you sell an asset. So that's very different to income tax. Income tax is generated from all sorts of different things, but capital gains is specifically for the disposal of chargeable assets. Not everything is chargeable to capital gains tax. Cars are assets, but they're not subject to capital gains tax. So there's certain things that don't fall into that bracket. You know, the general things like properties and shares, they don't have to be tangible assets. They can be intangible assets, but you don't have to necessarily see them. So yeah, it's, it's just really a whole beast by itself. And does everybody pay the same rate of capital gains tax? No, they do not. So it depends on your level of income. So it depends how much you earn to start with. So you get different rates of capital gains tax. So 
you get 10 and 20% for most generalized assets and you pay between 18 and 28%, 18 or 28%, should I say, on residential property only. Every other asset that's chargeable to capital gains tax is at the 10 or 20%. So if you are a basic rate payer and you make a gain, you pay 10% on other assets that aren't residential property up to your basic rate bound. So <clears throat> as for income tax, you pay 20% up to a bracket, you can pay 40% up to a bracket, 45 CGT fits into those brackets as well. So it's tacked on to your general income. So it's at the it's sort of the last bit that's taxed. So if you're a basic rate payer, some might be at 10%, some might be at 20%, but yeah, that's the general gist of. Okay. And you mentioned residential property. We talked about this on the podcast before, but you don't sure. pay capital gains on your primary residence. So <laughs> don't panic if you just sold your house and it's your primary residence. Yes and no. So, oh. you, you know, so if you brought your primary residence and you lived in it from the date you bought it up to the point you sold it, then yes, absolutely. It would be exclusively covered by principal private residence, PPL. However, if you owned a second house for 10 years, sold the house you were living in and moved into that new house, lived in it for 10 years, 10 years would be subject to CGT, 10 years would be subject to principal robot residence relief. So actually you'd get half of it tax-free. Yeah. <laughs> so just because you lived in it doesn't make it exclusively tax-free. So be careful with that one. I remember HMRC used to have a slogan that says tax doesn't have to be taxing, but it is pretty complicated. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> right. The other thing that I've noticed there as well, and this is a, a wider point, is that the mm. maximum rate of capital gains tax is significantly lower than the maximum rate of income tax, right? For sure. For sure. Right. So just make capital gains and don't have a job, only one <laughs> house. Again, yes, I know. You start making a habit of selling and buying items, it becomes a trade and gets subject to income tax. So your frequency of buying and selling can actually take those assets out of the capital disposals bracket and put them into a trading bracket, which then would allow you to be chargeable to income tax rates. So, you know, I like where your head's at, but you step there again. <laughs> hmm, that's that plan foiled. Okay, so that's the basics of... <laughs> And that was the basics of capital gains. Now we're going into the details, which is the rules have changed recently from 30 days to 60 days. So when did they change? Can you hear me all right? I can. Yeah, you keep dropping out and coming in. Sorry. Oh, is it good now? It's all right now. Cool. And so <laughs> when, when the rules have changed recently, so when did they change from 30 days to 60 days? And what does that mean? Okie dokie. So... <clears throat> these new rules came in for the 30-day reporting on the sick break of 2020. So anything that was, any disposals on property that was completed, so you've got exchange date and you've got completion date. They are two different things. Sometimes they happen on the same day, but your exchange date is the tax point. So that's the date we take for which year does the tax fall into. And you've got the exchange date, which is the final completion date where that's where you do the reporting to CGT. So they're two different things. One's a tax point, one's a reporting point. So from the 6th of April, anything completed 
completed after the 6th of April 2020 were subject to the 30-day filing rules. So not only do you have to file within 30 days and tell the revenue about it, you've got to pay the tax within 30 days as well. Otherwise, there are fines at that date, six months after and 12 months after. The rules changed to 60 days <clears throat> this year after the autumn budget. So anything completed on or after the 27th of October 2021 now has 60 days. So even if you exchanged pre 27th of October, as long as you, as long as you completed after you're fine, you got 60 days. Okay. So you've got a little bit longer to get your paperwork in order and, uh, and pay the bill, yeah. which is always good. Does Absolutely. this apply to all, all UK land and property? No. So if you are a UK resident and you dispose of UK residential property, this applies. If you're selling commercial property, general land, anything like that, you are not subject to this particular filing rule. However, if you have a mixed use property, which you will have, if you own a freehold that has say a flat on top and a shop on the bottom, half of that's commercial, half of that's residential. You've got to work out the residential gain or work out the commercial gain. And then you have to report the residential part of that disposal. So residential property in its entirety or part of a mixed use property will need to be reported, but it's purely residential property that needs to be reported for UK residents. Yeah. Okay. And what was, uh, was there any reason that they did this or what was the thinking? More money, more quickly. Uh, yeah, it really was. It, it, it's a sort of catch-all kind of situation where <clears throat> you, they just, it's cash flow. It's cash flow. Uh, you know, if you sell a property on the 7th of April, say 2021, you don't have to report that until, you know, 21, 22, January 23. So, you know, it's a bit, it's a, it's a big delay between your actual generated gain and your, your, actual tax payments so yeah it was really just for cash flow reasons get the money in okay fair enough get the money in hmrc's account not yours brilliant now you mentioned that you had some expertise in working with offshore taxes so are there what are the rules for people who are offshore selling uk property okie dokie so so non-residents have actually been playing this game for a longer time. So <clears throat> non-residents capital gains tax reporting within 30 days actually came in in April, 2015. So non-residents have been doing this a lot longer than UK residents. So, but it was only residential property from 2015 until April, 2019, when actually non-residents now have to report the sale of all UK property and land that's residential, commercial, land in general. This also includes shares within property rich companies. So if you try to put property into a company and you generate shares out of that, those shares are considered property rich shares. So they need to be put on the disposal forms as well. So yeah, non-residents have to report uh, a lot more than UK residents do. So the same rules apply, the 30 days applied up until the 27th of October. Non-residents now get the 60 days and that's for all 
property types, but yeah, they have a much wider scope of tax within 30 day, 60 day rules than UK residents do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I promised that we were going niche and I think we've definitely uh, fulfilled that <laughs> box. So, so far, what I've learned is that I need to just uh, have one house which I live in and yep. buy a classic car that's going to appreciate in value because then there'll be no capital gains on the classic car. Yeah, so, but don't buy too many of them because they'll be a trade. So you've got to be careful there. Yeah. Do you think a Peugeot 207 from 2012 would be considered a classic? I mean, in my eyes. Yeah. I mean, I mean I'm going to go yes. I'm going to okay. go yes. It definitely <laughs> hasn't appreciated in value since I got it. So uh, never mind. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, so what about if you've over or underpaid tax through the 60-day filing return when you establish your actual income um, for the year in question? Because that could, in theory, happen, right? It absolutely can happen. So as I explained at the beginning with the how we actually decide for the tax rates, when you come to do capital gains tax, it's if you sit on the brink of, say, higher rate tax and basic rate tax, your level of income can fluctuate if you're not on salary, if you're working on trading profits, so on and so forth. So say we estimate what your general income is going to be for the year. That's how we get to calculating what bracket you're in for capital gains tax. So on the forms, it's only ever going to be an estimate because you're not going to know your end of year figures until 5th of April following it, well, in that year. So if you complete a self-assessment tax return anyway, for whatever reason, you have to put the gain that you've reported on the 60-day return or the 30-day return, depending on where all this happened, probably going to be in the 60 days now. You have to report it again on your self-assessment tax return. Only if you are completing them anyway, you don't have to do, you don't have to sign up for self-assessment to do it for, for that sake. So within the self-assessment tax return, that's generally where those creases get ironed out because you'll see the difference and the, un, any underpaid tax where we've sort of underestimated it and just go through self-assessment and be put against your capital gains tax, any underpayment, any overpayment of tax where we find out actually you we've overestimated what you needed to pay a little more convoluted you have to go and you have to amend the 60-day filing return and then you get it to match your self-assessment return and it's it's just it's a it's a bit of a fluffy process to be honest with you but if you are not a self-assessment if you're not in self-assessment and completing that and you just do the 60-day filing forms then you would have to just do an amendment at the end of the year. So you'd have to file a return on top of the, th the original 60-day return to account for any differences. So it can be a little bit convoluted. So the closer you can get it to start with, the better. <laughs> yeah. So like on Medics Money, we like to encourage people to help themselves wherever possible and provide them information to do that. But I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Basically, you do need to get an accountant who understands this in order to do this. Otherwise, you're going to mess it up. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's, it's, it sounds straightforward and it's so easy just to read a few things on the internet and think, oh, no, I'm fine. I don't have to worry about that. But it, it's a lot more, it can be a lot more convoluted than it uh, first appears for sure. Yeah, especially for, for non-residents, other people that have mixed-use properties or 
partially or lived in property for a period of time and let it out or, you know, there's lots of situations where it's not cut and dry. So I would always recommend speaking to them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And any sort of pearls of wisdom as we wrap up uh, today's podcast? Do not listen to anyone in the pub about tax and do not believe everything you read on the internet, please. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good advice. Like, you know, some things you can do yourself, like claiming your own tax rebates, fix your own tax code, but some things you just mm -hmm. got to hire a professional. I don't think you're going to be attempting to remove your own appendix or anything, Bridie. And if you are a surgeon, you probably shouldn't be attempting to do your own capital gains return unless you are going to have a go at your own appendix, Bridie. Wasn't on my list of things to do. And absolutely not, man. Yeah, I think just get the right expertise. Okay, cool. What's the best way for people with ridiculously complex capital gains questions to contact you? Because I definitely do not want this coming into my inbox because, yeah. So the best way would be, I would actually say to do it through the website. One, as we discussed briefly at the beginning, I have a ridiculous name. So I could give you my email now, which would just, just go over everybody's head. So the best thing to do is have a look on our website. Type in Bridie, there's only one of me, believe it or not. So if you go to, you know, if you go to Larkin Gowan website, type in Bridie, I'll pop up straight away and my email address is there for you. So feel free to get in touch. Awesome. I'll put the contact details below. Thanks so much Wonderful. for that. It was really, really useful to know that. And it's great yes. to have your expertise on the podcast. Take care. Fantastic.